0: Hey guys, welcome to Performance Anxiety. This week we feature the singer for Exodus, Generation Kill and Fragile Mortals, and Volkswagen restoration artist Rob Dukes. He used to get drunk a lot. Weird stuff would happen. Then he got sober. That's when all the really weird stuff started happening. This show is full of rock bands getting kicked off of airplanes, getting pulled over in Germany, people getting fired, and finding out what really makes you happy. I really enjoyed talking with Rob, Give him a follow on social media. Check us out at PerformanceANX on Twitter and Instagram. You can buy merch at performanceanx.threadless.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And without further ado, here's Rob Dukes.
1: This is Rob Dukes. Uh, I am currently the Generation Kill singer and uh, Fragile Mortal singer. And for those two bands, I'm formerly of Exodus. I did uh, 10 years with those guys and uh, still hang out with them every now and again. Anyway, you're listening to Performance Anxiety. Have that, a good day. Yeah, I'm good.
0: Well, I appreciate you getting up this early to to hang out with me for a little bit.
1: Uh, absolutely, man. Yeah, man.
0: I was uh, doing some research on you, and you've got an interesting story going on. So you're born in Florida. Now, yeah. How long... And then you moved to New York. What was what was the time frame there? What?
1: So uh, I was like six or five.
0: Okay, so you don't have a whole lot of Florida going on in you.
1: Uh no, man! I mean, yeah, kind of, man. I'm I'm still fucking white trash, so yeah, <laughs> fucking. I have my moments, man. I, have, I do. I definitely have some white trash moments. Um, you know, you know, I I, li- I lived with my grandparents, uh. And uh and they were um you know, they lived in a nice neighborhood and it was quiet and and uh you know, I rode my bike around and caught spiders and snakes and, and uh I lived near a zoo and then there was also a lake um that was an alligator breeding um ground. So Oh wow uh, I I um I was always down there fucking with the alligators and snakes and, and um <laughs> <laughs> there was a, there was a, it was a, it was a lake that was big time um uh for uh, those um boat racing yeah. like the big block boat racing yeah, so even as roach. a little kid yeah, so I'd ride on there and see them all the time it was called Lake McGory and they had like like TV shows would be there you know back before like everything was on TV that I remember seeing cameras there at one point it was called Lake Magori, and I lived like right across the street. I lived on Lake Magori Boulevard, so it was right, right there. And there was a Lake Magori Zoo.
0: Oh my god! And
1: um, so I, I definitely, you know, had that's kind of where I lived, man. I, I, um, my grandparents said they had, uh, um, they were cool people. They, you know, they were, <laughs> they were drunk. So I had to, I kind of fended for myself mostly. Oh you know? wow. As long as I didn't get in trouble, man, everything seemed to be okay. That's all I remember, I, you know. And then, and, uh, and then I moved to New York, and um, it was definitely a culture shock because, oh yeah, I, at the time I did have a Southern accent, you know, because I, mean? I, I grew up in, in that's in the South. So, and I moved to to Queens, New York, and uh, oh wow, yeah. that's a
0: change! Holy yeah. crap!
1: Yeah. So anyway,
0: that's, all right, so was. You moved up to New York. Were you, was your family pretty musical, or was that not in the picture at all?
1: Yeah, man, my uncle was a my uncle Logan when Logan Neal. He was a um, a bluegrass musician, and he was phenomenal, man. He played oh, cool. he played every uh, string instrument. He was awesome, and he played the banjo, he played guitar, he played viola, he played. His wife played the stand up bass. Oh wow! They had a blue, They had a, a bluegrass band called Whiskey Before Breakfast, and um, that which is like one awesome. of such an awesome name, man. Dude, I love it. So uh he um you know he I remember when I was about eight, he handed me a, a stack of records and he goes, Yeah, pick out the ones you like and then give me back the ones you don't. And uh oh, cool. I kept the Jimi Hendrix, the Doors, uh Pink Floyd, and uh and Black Sabbath, and I gave him back the Grateful Dead, yes. And uh, oh, I think I kept the Who too, and uh, (laughs) I gave him back all the all this, you know, yes, and progressive rock and stuff like that. And I gave him all that back. And um, so I had (laughs) an eight year old kid. I was, you know, my grandparents, like I said, they they were they were drunks, and they they just sat and and they drank themselves to death. By the time I was like seventeen years old, so wow. I mean, sad, tragic story. Very very smart, very good people, but just alcoholics you know and yeah. they um so so i i spent most of my time alone I, I don't remember having many friends but i do remember having like i remember having her my grandmother's uh she had a uh, bill cosby record and uh i would listen to comedy and i had she had a couple other ones um so i had comedy and i had music and i and i would and i i, I wasn't really allowed to watch tv so i read Books, you know, I, I did have Mad Magazine. I had some other funny stuff to read, but I kind of just read books, man. And I, I'm still a pro, prolific reader. I, I read a, a book a week at least. Oh, awesome!
0: Um, and and so, Mad Magazine folding, I mean, that, or, or suspending. Yeah, navigation.
1: man. That's the reason I brought it up because I thought about. it. I was like, oh man, I used to fucking read that. Like I got one every every week, man. And I, yeah. I fucking read, it, you know. Um, so uh I, I listen to music constantly. I, I'm, I'm I had headphones and I, I had a good i had a decent turntable at the time um and i i remember i had to you ever had to change a needle on one of those oh yeah so i remember like that's how much i was into it was i i had and then and then the radio like fm radios um would play and i would uh i would like sit there i had the first time you have like the 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 boom box with the dual cassette yeah i remember sitting there with the with the recording the play button down, sitting with the pause button, my finger on it, waiting for a good song to come on so I could fucking wait for the that's, DJ to shut the fuck up. That's and then exactly fucking, my childhood. Oh, uh, yeah, man. So that's kind of what I did. And, and I did that you know, I did that until I found girls at, you know, 16, 17. You know what I mean? I was kind of I rode my bike yeah. around. I, I kept I caught reptiles. I was uh, <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't keep any in my house, dude. I'll tell you this really funny story. I must have been about Nine years old, and uh, I was it was early in the morning, man. I was riding to the beach, so I lived near St. St. Pete Beach, near enough that I can ride my bike there. Okay, so I was on my way to the beach, and I'm on my bike, and uh, all of a sudden, I come up and in this section of trees over by the zoo because you'd have to go past the zoo to get to the beach, there was this web, and I, I'm not even fucking joking you because I'm I was a little kid, but I remember it. It was 10 feet by 10 feet. It oh was this huge God. fucking spider web, thick too. Like if you ran to it, it ran through, it would have been like, you'd have been like Indiana Jones when oh he's geez. running from the ball. Yeah. I, so I stopped my bike. I go, what the fuck, man? And, you know, I get a stick and I shake the fucking web, and this spider comes out. And it was as big as my adult hand. Dude, it was that big. Oh it my was God. this gigantic yeah. spider. I don't remember what kind it was. I remember it was yellow and it had, had yellow in it and some green and it was huge. It wasn't a tarantula. It was probably a tarantula of sorts. But whatever it was, it was the biggest fucking spider I've ever seen. So I fucking fly home and I get a shoebox and I fucking get a shoebox and I go back and I catch this spider and I put it in the shoebox and I ride home with it.
2: Oh. And
1: I get home God. and my, my grandmother comes out. She goes, what are you doing? I go, oh, I, I caught a spider. I'm going to. I'm gonna I'll let it go, so maybe it'll it'll live around here in the trees or something. And she goes, <laughs> "Let me see it." And I open the box, <laughs> and she goes, "Ah!" And she took, she picked up like a flat, like from the from the walkway, and just smashes it, <laughs> kills the spider. And she chased me around the yard with a, you know what, you guys, know what a switch is? Oh, yeah. Uh, I had a southern grandmother, so she got a switch, man, and she was trying to beat me with the switch, and I was just oh, laughing and running from her. Nah! And she killed my spider that I was going to – I was going to let it – I didn't want to keep it in a cage. I wanted it to live in my yard, so I was just going to – I was just relocating
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think I can picture the spider. I did, when I lived in Alabama, we you get big banana spiders like that, they were huge. And it would
1: probably, face- man. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm gonna say this thing was ten inches in diameter. It was it was, a, it was a plate, a dinner plate. Oh god! And the body was as big as a you know the body was as big as a fucking bigger than a shot glass. I mean, it was it was yeah. So anyway, Yeah. fucking little. It's, I hadn't thought of that, and dude, I haven't thought of that story in fucking ten years. Oh <laughs> yeah. awesome.
0: well, that's what this show's about. Yeah. So I that, I love doing yeah. it. All right, so you moved to New York, and uh, New York. you've got a musician uh, uncle. When yeah, did he gave you, me records when gave you records when did you start playing music
1: um so uh so i I, I lived in new york i would uh you know i, I still had a um my mom had gotten remarried and i i moved in with my mother okay and she had this husband and he was a musical Uh, he was an album collector. He had probably a a thousand albums. So I went through, I went through his collection, man. And he had like, so I had, he had like obscure who records. He told me a story once that uh, he was at a bar. He was at the, uh, he was in, um, he went to see the, the Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix. And he was there and it was at the Fillmore East. And uh, he ordered a beer. And at the time he was like a big guy. He was like two twenty, and he was, you know, like, you know, a little under six foot, but he was kind of a big guy, but he was a little bit crazy too yeah. at the time and, and at this era in his life. And, uh, he, he ordered a beer and then some guy like grabbed the beer and was like, thanks mate. And he almost beat the shit out of him. And it was Pete Townsend. Oh um, my God. So he hung out to Fillmore East. He goes pretty much every weekend. He saw every band there was ever to see. So oh, he had this wow. killer musical. He had. I remember, uh, I remember falling in love with, uh, like, uh, Mike Bloomfield, yes. uh, a lot of old blues stuff. He had a lot, a lot of blues records, but he had, he had a big, huge who collection. So I'm about, you know, eight or I'm about nine years old, right at this time. So I'm listening to the who and Bloomfield and I found, uh, Frank Zappa, Oh, uh, nice! And you know, uh, Captain Beefheart, which was a little hard to grasp at the time, but yeah. I got it later on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, And then you know, but he also had other weird stuff, man. He had David Peel on the marijuanas. He had, um, he just had like this killer music collection. So now my my you know, but he also had a lot of soul stuff, and I I never really gravitated to it. I didn't, I appreciated it, but I didn't really uh, gravitate to it. So, um, so uh, I found David Bowie, uh, but he wasn't really into it. He had it because it was popular at that time to own that. Um, but he also had Alice Cooper, which honestly, I, 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 didn't grab it. I didn't like Alice Cooper went over, would just went by me and I missed it. Um,
0: yeah, I'm the same way with um, Alice.
1: They gave me uh so I was, you know, they, my parents, the, my mom got me a kiss record and, um, you know, of course, as you're a kid, you're interested in it. They didn't take off the makeup yet. So it was something interesting yeah. that I, I never really liked the music, but I liked the aspect of the comical part of it. Man, um, thank that, you for saying that. I don't that. think it was intentional by them, but to me, it was always a—it <laughs> was just a show, you know. Um, so
0: thank you for saying anyway. that because I always felt the same way about Kiss. Like, it, if you just take the the uh, the makeup away, I never really cared for the music all that much.
1: I mean, they had they had the hit. They had a song here and then that was good. Like, hundred thousand years was all yeah. right. They had uh parasite was kind of cool. You know, they had they had songs that I love. Gun, I like. I like now because I I, I put it to. uh um, that movie, <laughs> it's about his dick, man, oh, <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> role models. So like, I get it now. Like there, there are things that I attach to it now that I enjoy about it, but if it comes on, I'll listen. I won't turn it off, but I, I I'll, you, I, I'll never put on kiss because I want, Oh, actually, should, well, I want to listen to kiss. No, yeah. that never happened. <laughs> Not once in my life. That happen. So, um, you know, so, so I, I, you know, I, all I did was listen to music. That's all I did. I read music. I, li- I listen to music and I read books and I did both at the same time. I was a decent student. I was a, uh, 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 a C student. I could have been an A, but I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Uh, because nothing – uh, You know, I remember I remember being in school. I remember arguing with my uh, guidance counselor. I was like, why why are you making me take a French class? I have no interest to speak another language. <laughs> Why don't you just let me take an art class where I get an A every fucking semester because I enjoy it and that's where I want to I want to be I want to be an artist like let me go into that and I remember arguing him it just it, it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks and finally I didn't have to take French anymore they just let me out of it like oh, I was wow. like an exceptional they let me they, they made an exception like you're not allowed to tell anybody but we're gonna do this because. <laughs> Yeah, so I had one decent, uh, and, and Mr. Rossi did that for me. He was a math teacher, who was also a guidance counselor, and he, for some reason, he liked me. You know what I mean? And uh, I remember when I he said, "Dude, you know what you need to? do? If you're gonna go to college, which I don't think you're gonna, but if you decide to, uh, before you go to college, you need to buy a motorcycle and drive across the country." And I said, "Okay."
0: Oh and wow!
1: So uh a little that, foreshadowing. Mr. Mr. Triassi, uh, or, or is it Ty Rossi or Triassi? Ah, oh, fuck, it, I don't remember. It's one or the other. He was really cool. He looked like uh, he looked like uh, the dude from uh, the original Death uh, Charles Bronson. That's what he looked like. Oh the wow, stocky mustache. Yeah, he was awesome. Man, he was an awesome dude. Well, he probably won't be listening. So. Yeah, no, he won't be listening. <laughs> but anyway, I never forget him. He 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 made an impact on me. Honestly, man, I, I was kind of a—I was a serious kind of a loner, man. I didn't—I didn't have any friends. Um, I was always kind of misplaced. I was picked on a lot. I was—I was little and skinny, and uh, you know, uh, up until I was about uh, seventeen, the summer between seventeen and eighteen, all I did was lift weights and eat, and um, and then all of a sudden, I was—I uh, was fucking. Jacked, and I, yeah, I remember go. I remember going to some party. It was like a party with uh, uh you know, it's some dude's house who I'd never been friends with, like a jock guy or whatever. And and uh I remember somebody said something, and I just beat the living fuck out of him. And <laughs> after that, no one, no, everyone like kind of left me alone after that.
0: Yeah, I, I know, probably would man. too.
1: Yeah, i had I had one <laughs> friend. I had one friend toward the end of school, and me and him hung out pretty much twenty four seven. He liked music as much as I did. So but before that I was I was about 15 and my uh, grandmother um my aunt came to visit me and my grandmother had given her and bought me a guitar for my aunt to give to me on the, as a present on the on the visit. Oh awesome. So, um so I learned a couple chords and uh started listening to like uh at the time I was listening to like uh like sex pistols and misfits and stuff that was easy to play on the guitar. And I started trying to mimic that I tried playing the blues. I could, I could play a little bit, but I, I was always just a kind of a shitty guitarist. I was never very good. I, I was at, at my best. I was mediocre, you know, okay. and um, I was a better rhythm guitar player than I was uh, at doing leads and solos and stuff. And so, but I enjoyed playing it was something I could do alone I didn't need anybody and, and I could just sit there and enjoy myself and I started smoking pot around uh 17 16 um I also started drinking at 15 and I started drinking heavily I was a I was an alcoholic right from the start man. Oh wow <laughs> like,
0: Yeah well so, you know with your grandparents you know drinking all that Yeah it was kind
1: of it was kind of in the uh you know, it was kind of in, in my DNA, I guess, you know, so yeah. anyway, so um, I started drinking. So I, I became known as a uh, as a drunk uh, and I drank uh, for the next uh, 10 years. I drank uh, absolutely uh, alcoholically and crazy. I, I drank uh, for only to get drunk and I did that and on my 25th birthday, I got really, really drunk. Uh, it lasted, I drank for like three days. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, March 13th, 1993 was the last time I ever had a drink. I quit drinking that day. And uh, it was Friday the 13th. Um, I was in New York. A huge snowstorm happened. And uh, that was the last time I drank. And I've been sober ever since.
0: Oh, so, man. That's yeah. that's awesome. Congratulations. That's...
1: This is one of those <laughs> things, man. Yeah.
0: That's so, a long time. And that, that's... That takes some determination, especially going into a profession where it's pretty prevalent.
1: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, man. even even the band I was in was, you know, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, uh, it was a personal choice. So I never really gave shit what anybody else did unless it affected me. And right. I have tons of drunken Exodus stories, man, where they were just, uh, <laughs> you know, they were they were all partiers and they weren't alcoholics. So, like, you know, to be around it was was fine. I, 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 I rarely had moments where it bothered me. There, there were a few a few moments but for the most part, man, it was just fun. It, like I didn't really – they never really crossed any boundaries with me. I had – you know, there was always a way out. I always had a like a bunk to go sleep in or, and get away from everybody if I felt like it. I had earplugs and headphones and I – you know, if I um, – the only time it ever came to a head was uh, we were on tour in Europe. And um, and they were drinking like a bottle of Jaeger before they even went on stage. And oh, jeez. they were making – Mistakes. Now, now, through the years, they had never done that. They'd always like, <clears throat> they'd always drank water or maybe a beer or two, and then as they were playing, they would drink a couple more beers. So by the end of the set, um, they might have drank three or four, maybe five beers. But okay, now they were doing shots. It started out as, "Oh, let's do a shot before the show starts," you know, and then it and then that escalated into a bottle of Jaeger before they even walked on stage with wow. beer. So they were making mistakes like in the first two songs and they were making mistakes. And, and, um, when I said it, they all got real defensive and we got into this fucking screaming army. I'll never forget it. It was screaming as fuck,
2: fuck you. Fuck.
1: And then the next day, um, Rob, we were, you were right. We're sorry. We won't do that anymore. So, and then it stopped and everything was fine. So that was the only time that, okay you know that i I ever asked you know because i you know it's one thing that if you know if it doesn't affect me i don't give a fuck you know what i mean i really don't so that's kind of how it worked and and uh yeah so i'll tell you one crazy story it it affected me but more in a in a comical way than anything else was (laughs) oh oh boy uh, we um we were going to uh europe for uh six weeks and um this was early this was like 2007 right so 2007 and we're going to europe and uh at the time um the way a lot of bands do it was they they get equipment and they they rent a storage space and they have uh they have it filled with um, all the gear they need to tour Europe with. So they so okay. ours was like in Germany. So we would fly – no matter where we were touring, starting, we would try to start it in Germany because we would fly to Germany, get our bus and our trailer, load it with all our gear, and then go. Okay. Well, this was this was pre – this was like when Exodus was setting itself back up to um, to uh, learn how to, to – to start touring again because they hadn't toured in, in years. All so. Right. Um, They didn't have any equipment over there. So we were at the airport with heads and fucking multiple guitars and uh, sound equipment. The drummer had cymbals and snare and just we had one of those carts. We had two of those carts filled with gear.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And uh, we get to the airport and the promoter had not bought our tickets. They hadn't they hadn't paid for them in full. So oh. we get to the airport at like six in the morning to fly at eight, and no one. They did, we didn't have any tickets. Oh my so god! They make calls. They scramble. Our fucking tour manager is there. He's freaking out. We're all just kind of sitting there, and I'm fucking. You know, this is you know, This is pre cell phone. Well, there's cell phones, but we don't use them like we do now. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so he's scrambling. So they get. Uh, they get the flights straightened out. They get them paid for and all that. But we're not leaving till eight o'clock that night. So now there's a twelve hour delay.
0: Gee, right.
1: Oh God. So we have all this equipment. So Jack, the bass player, he says, "Well, I'm going to fuck home." And he got on the train and he went home. So <laughs> me, me, Lee, and Gary, and Paul. A oh, Paul left too. Paul left. He came back, but he left. Me, Gary, Lee, and the tour manager leave we we stay at the airport with all the equipment and we go to um tgi fridays okay right we're sitting there and i'm like 12 hours we're like fucking complaining and blah so they start drinking right oh boy and um oh so i i go walk around the airport i go read a book i sit i try to find the most comfortable chair i could find I waste 12 hours of dicking around because I actually, at the time, live in Los Angeles. So I flew to San Francisco to rehearse for a week and then was just leaving with those guys, right? So I, okay. I don't, I'm not even near my house.
0: Yeah, you, you really had nowhere to go anyway.
1: Yeah, man. So I'm just sitting there. So anyway, I am come back a few hours later and they are fucking shit-faced. It's like noon. Oh, And my they God. are fucking drunk. So uh, I hang out for a bit. I eat. I fucking chill. I all right. I'm gonna go do something else, and, and I just you know went and read and hung up on myself. I came back at like five in the afternoon. Now they're sitting there. They have every shot glass at the table from the bar is at their table, and they're clean. As I say, I go, "What do you guys have?" Every shot glass. They were getting their drinks and adding three or four shots to it. They were so drunk. I've never seen them this drunk ever. Lee to this day says it was the it was the number one drunk he's ever been in, and he's a, oh a he's a, a Ukrainian <laughs> crazy Eastern Bloc <laughs> drinking. He'll drink a bottle. He'll drink anyone I know under the table, and he is <laughs> fucking housed. They oh. got this guy who's going off to Afghanistan to go to war. He's sitting there and he's buying round after round after round. They got oh some God. girl. Some girl's on her way to Hawaii. She's sitting there doing drinks and drinking and fucking – everyone is just fucking hammered. In. And I'm like, man, what the fuck? And it's like – it's actually everyone's having a good time. It's just everyone's just really, really drunk. <laughs> <laughs> now me and uh, the tour manager go – ready to go put our gear in. So me and him take the two things. So, now it's like, it's like a couple hours before boarding. So we take all the gear and we go back to the gate and we say, you guys stay here. We'll take care of it. We wheel all the equipment back. We get it all checked in. Come back with the tickets. Everybody's happy. Hey, uh, now they're fucking shit faced. As me and – his name was Durder at the time. So Durder was the tormentor. So we're sitting there and all of a sudden an ambulance pulls up and goes flying into the the airport, right? Okay. We're still standing there. We're checking in. And all of a sudden, we we see the ambulance come out, and the girl that was on her way to Hawaii for vacation is on a stretcher being put into an ambulance.
0: Oh, my God.
1: For alcohol poisoning.
0: Oh, my God.
1: What We're like, what the fuck? Oh my god. Then we go back to the table, We're like, oh they're like, oh yeah, she was shit faced, man. She <laughs> she got sick and then they tried to take her to the gate, but she got up. And then and they're all like, <laughs> oh they're all just hammered. Oh my god. I go, Well, it's time to go to the gate gate, right? So we go to the gate check in. Lee and Gary are just fucking shit-faced. And Jack shows up and Paul. Now, those guys start drinking, but they're no way near in the shape that these two are.
0: Right. Right
1: Right next to our gate was a bar. And Lee Lee walks up, (laughs) orders a three-finger shot of Patron and a Long Island iced tea.
0: Oh, boy.
1: He fucking does that. Now he is toast. He is a blank (laughs) plate of just... He is, <laughs> he can't, he can't talk to him. He just is a, he's a fucking, he is gone.
0: Oh God.
1: So he's whole, I'm holding on to him. Like Lee, you need to keep it together. We're trying to get on the plane, right? Oh my God. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So we get on the plane. I get, I, I'm actually, uh, I, I get on a couple people ahead and I, I, uh, I get to my seat, and I was a window seat, and there were two people that were sitting here next to me, and I didn't know them. And uh, Gary's behind me laughing, <laughs> making a scene. Oh, God. Jack and Paul are over there being quiet and embarrassed. Jack like, Jack was up front. Jack was all the way like 10 seats for him. So um, I, got, I got my book out. I'm ready to read my book. And uh, Lee sees me. He's, he's going to sit behind me jokes i love you man (laughs) and he decides to hug me laying over these people and he's got dude he's got hair down to his waist he's got a big beard he's just a big crazy looking person the lady freaks out oh (laughs) freaks he's laying across her to give me a hug and then he gets up and he's laughing Ah, and then he (laughs) said the lady gets up and leaves then I see the fucking pilot guy coming, I'm like, oh no.
0: <laughs>
1: so he says, You gotta get off the plane. He's like, What? And Lee's like, What? I go, hold on, dude, 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 look. I go, ma'am, he's he's just really drunk. He's gonna be asleep in five seconds. <laughs> yeah. And he's gonna sleep until we get to Germany. Yeah. Like just and she wasn't having it.
2: Oh
1: right. So I, I the the I get up, the pilot takes me off the plane, we talk. I go look. I he'll be fine. Just let him go to sleep, man. He's already asleep now. He he was. He was already fucking out.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so so oh, we're on God. the plane. I go back to the seat. The woman. I said I'm really sorry about that, man. We they, we had a delay for like hours, and they got a little drunk. And, and but he's gonna sleep. He's fine. She goes. I'm not flying on the plane if he's gonna be on the plane. Oh, the pilot goes. You guys gotta get off the plane. Oh. Uh. So I pick up – I'm like, what the fuck, man? So Lee is just – now he's hammered and they're calling the police. Oh, wow. The police wow. are coming. They're throwing me and Lee off the plane. or throwing Lee off the plane. I'm just going with him. Right, yeah. I have to. yeah. And then Gary stands up and he goes, what the fuck is going on, man? <laughs> Like what the fuck? And this guy goes. This guy goes. Hey man, I have little kids. Can you not curse? And guy goes. Fuck you! And the guy stands up and punches Gary in the face. Oh and, Dude, all this mayhem breaks out, and I get Gary off the plane. I get Lee off the plane, and Jack is like, Jack. Jack tells me he was sitting in his seat, and these two like teenagers were next to him, and the teenagers go, Dude, what fucking band are you guys? And he goes. Exodus, and he fucking walked (laughs) off the plane. (laughs) So fucking, we get off the plane and the cops are there. So now the police are standing at the gate where we're getting off the plane. And I I was like, Lee and Gary, I was like, both of you, don't say a fucking word or you're (laughs) going to go to jail. And they both just kind of, now they're both kind of like, oh, no. Like, they know, like, like, they're in that, they're in that. I want to do anything. I just want to go to sleep. That's they, yes. they, they don't give a fuck what is happening. They just want to go to sleep. Dude, your mom's <laughs> on fire. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I got to go to sleep. I'll deal with it in the morning and then I'm done. <laughs> so the guy, they're going to arrest the guy for assault on Gary because Gary told him, fuck you to, when he asked him to not curse in front of his kids. I said, don't arrest that guy. Let him back on the plane. And get that shit – get our shit off the plane and yeah. we'll figure it out. But uh, leave that guy a fuck alone because yeah. deserve deserved to be left alone because <laughs> Gary had it coming. Uh, he says it to this day. I did. I had it coming. Oh, yeah, wow. So Gary's sitting there, the cops. And he, so we're sitting – we're trying to straighten all this out and the cop says, hey, what band are you guys? And I said, we're, we're fucking Exodus, man. We're on our way to Europe. We got like six weeks of touring to do and this is day one. Man. And they're like Jesus Christ. So, so he gets on the phone and he calls back and he goes, "Dude, my son's a huge fan, man. Can I get a picture with all you guys?" And we're like, "So we're standing here with the cops. We have a picture of us with the cops at the San Francisco airport. Everyone's hammered, and Lee's. I'm holding Lee up. He's fucking sleeping. And he's like, so now we're talking. Like this is like this plane is delayed. Like." It's now like 9.30. This oh, plane was God. supposed to leave at 8. It's an hour. They finally get all our shit off the, the plane. Oh, God. They bring it to me at the gate. I wheel the stuff. Now, so Delta Red flagged us. So we got uh, another flight with another company in the morning. So they had to wait Had to wait until like 8 a.m., which means we were oh, going to miss God. our first show we're paying for a bus to, to exist that we're not using. Oh. So like this is like a catastrophic money expense. Yeah. Plus we're missing a, a, a huge festival that we were playing. So I go back with all the gear. I wheel it down. I find Lee. The, I have the picture. It's in my old phone. He's sleeping under the chairs. You know the chairs because they make them. They put the armrest so you can't lay on them. Yeah, yeah. He's laying on the floor. In the fetal position And he's just groaning Uh, uh, And uh So the next morning at 6am Everyone I wake everyone up At like 4.30 I get them to the gate And we get on the plane And we fly to Europe And uh We miss our first show So we, we get to our second show We go to the second show And we're there And um Everyone's now trying to recover From the first night Of debacle So we're in Switzerland and it happened to be the merch girl, Aaron's birthday. So everyone went, so we, we went to the club. We were playing the next night and they started drinking. Oh no. To try to get over the hangover that they're in. (laughs) So they started drinking and everyone, so it wasn't really, they didn't get hammered, but they got it. They they just got evened out, you know what I mean? But Aaron, it was her birthday. She got hammered. So we're all sleeping on the bus at a, uh, in Europe, you uh, you you can't sleep at the club. We partied at the club, but we were parked at a at a like a it's like a bus commuter lot, and it's so okay. where all the tour buses park, and they have hookups for your electric, and you just kind of sit there and you you wait till you because so you can go play the next day. Okay, so um, we're all I was, I was totally asleep, and uh, she must have got sick and was puking in the parking lot, and a cop saw her and um, came over to investigate. And uh, next thing you know, man, the bus is full of fucking Swiss cops.
0: Oh, and my it's like, God.
1: It's like 6 a.m. The sun's coming out. Now they're dragging everyone off the bus. Oh. They bring no less than six cop cars. Oh, my they have God. us all sitting outside on the ground on the curb. And they take our bus completely apart and the trailer. They open every guitar case. They open every little thing they open every drawer of every guitar rig cabinet they have they take everything out on it's all laid out in the parking lot man people oh. are tourists are taking pictures i'm standing there in my boxer shorts purposely sitting with my dick hanging out <laughs> like this when people would take <laughs> pictures just fuck you oh i'm yelling God. at the cops i'm like what the fuck and at one point they like i'll never forget you guys i go what are you looking for he goes well we read about you guys we're looking for crystal meth and i was like Dude, it's not the '80s, man. Yeah. It's fucking, it's 2000. We don't do that anymore, man.
0: Oh my god.
1: So they find a pot cookie. That was all they found.
0: Oh my god.
1: Two hundred fifty dollar fine, dude. There was a oh. point where I I, I was uh, that I had to take a piss. I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta take a piss. And they're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna follow. I go. You you can see that I'm wearing no shirt and boxer <laughs> shorts. I'm like, what? So. He's standing over me. I go, you like my dick? You like it, right? <laughs> and he's, he's just mad. He wants to arrest me. And I'm like, what are you going to arrest me for? I'm like, You're standing over my shoulder. You think I'm going to throw it down the fucking toilet at this point? Yeah. I go, you know, it was just – it was fucking craziness, mayhem oh my from the gosh. fucking start, right? So at one point – oh, this is funny. So they pull up with this, um, this, this weird-looking truck. It's a van. And it has all, it's like a little chemical lab. And they were oh, taking wow. all our pills out of our like, it was somebody, I had a bottle of like uh, uh, Tylenol PM. Okay, yeah. They took them all out and were testing them to make sure they were Tylenol PM. Oh my. So God. they, they took the, then they, they tested them. I don't know what they did to them, but they put them in the bottle. And the guy handed it to me and I opened it and poured it on the ground and dropped the bottle. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> really? Like, you motherfucker? You know exactly, and, yeah. So Jack, the bass player, Jack Gibson, he is a um, he's a special kind of guy. He's a, <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a good way to put it.
1: So I would go to Europe, and I would I would buy a pack of socks, and I would wear them once and throw them away. Wear them once and throw them away, and um, Jack would do his laundry. He would find laundry spots, and and I didn't give, do my laundry. I wore the same shit on stage every night. Which smelled awful. (laughs) And I basically wore, I basically wore like just comfortable clothes. Like I would wear like a t shirt for a couple days and then I'd get rid of it and I'd put on another one, you know, because you don't really, you're not really doing a lot, man. You know what I mean? I I had a, you know, at the time I was running at the time. So I had like a running set of clothes and stuff. Okay. Maybe I'd wash them in the sink by hand and then let them dry out. But I would never do I'd hardly ever do my laundry unless it was really easy to do. Like, oh here's a machine, go ahead and do it. Um but Jack was obsessed and he would uh <clears throat> he would he would he would pack and he would set it up so he had he had individually packed soap to do laundry with. So if he found a laundry <laughs> uh, place, which in Europe there aren't laundromats anywhere. Oh really? Like they're they're really few and far between. Like every once in a while you'll come across one, but um, I remember we were – we were so desperate to do our laundry at the end of this tour one time. It was – it had been like – we were been there for like two months and the, the uh, singer and guitar player of uh, A Dark Funeral let us come to his house in Sweden and do our laundry. And we'd go to his house and I think we're going to like – I think – you know, Dark Funeral, I mean, you know, he's he's such a nice guy. But I assumed his house was going to be like this dark, fucking evil, fucking castle. It's just a regular house yeah. with a laundry room. It <laughs> was crazy. And we hung out. We had lunch. We talked and fucking we hung out for a couple hours in their laundry. And then, all right, man, I'll see you later. And then we left. Uh, oh,
0: Michael, my God.
1: <laughs> Michael's, a, Michael's. he's a very good guy. Dark Funeral's a – the music's a little heavy for me. I, I don't really uh, – I, I listen to it occasionally if it comes out of my – in my uh, – if it comes when, I, when I'm doing like a a, a shuffle, yeah. But uh, I don't think I've ever said I'm going to listen to some Dark Funeral right now. <laughs> yeah. It's just not that I'm just not that guy. But um, I appreciate it and I, and I like him a lot. He's a really good band. And if you like black metal from Sweden, man, then Dark Funeral and Apocryphos uh, are two bands that are really fucking good. So
0: I, I feel like I'm a lot like you in that sense. Where if it comes on, I'm not probably not going to turn it off, but I'm not going to it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so – So you're doing laundry. So we're doing – so they open Jack's suitcase and they see these individually baggies of fucking laundry detergent. And I swear the cop went, yes, because he thought it was fucking drugs. And we all start laughing because we all know what a freak Jack is. And he goes – It's fucking laundry detergent. I go, we know what the fuck it is, dude. We know it's soap, soap, you freak. We all start laughing. And this guy thinks he's going from beat cop to detective because he made the fucking bust of the century. Got the mother load. And I go, hey, douchebag, it's fucking soap. He goes, ah, we'll see. What a C. And he fucking puts in a, and they test it and they come back. Yeah, it's soap. (laughs) Soap. We miss our next show. We miss the next show oh because of this. Dude, we were there for over 12 hours, man, because oh the girl was puking outside our bus because she got drunk on her birthday. They took apart everything, man. And all they walked away with was a $200 pot cookie ticket that you just pay. It's just a ticket. It's not even a court thing. You just.
0: Oh, my God. The
1: worst part of it. The worst part of it was. So we the the, the night the day the the drive going from where we got the bus into into Switzerland was so fucking rad I was I was they had the bus had two like sunroofs like you could open them up oh cool and they were cool the one didn't have like a you know how they have like a a bubble on them yeah well didn't have it it just had a slide window you could crank it and it would slide back and I would stand up and I was on the roof of the bus Oh just God. sitting there, like with my chest hanging out, and just going through the Alps, man. For out, Jack was in front, videotaping me.
0: Oh, like, wow! Like, dude, this is the,
1: and he's videotaping the Alps, and we're fucking. I was gonna try and walk from one to the other, so I climbed out and I oh stood God. up on the bus, and I went, "There's no fucking way." And I got like those movies are bullshit. Like, there's no fucking. It was so fucking sketchy. The bus is going like 40 miles an hour. And I was going to walk to the bubble where Jack was, but I would have died. I I think I would have died. It would have been crazy. There's nothing to hold on to. So anyway, he has all this really cool, funny footage, man. When the cops first raided the bus, Jack had his camera on and he was filming it. Oh, wow. They took the film. Oh, man. They took the film of that because he was filming. He's like, what are you guys doing? Like, what the fuck is going on? And I was asleep, so I, I didn't see any of that. But Jack said he goes, they came on like they were making the bust of the century, man. It was fucking crazy. So oh, anyway, we uh, it was one of the worst tours ever, man. We we got we we got to Lyon, France, and um, we had to fly to a show, and uh, because like something happened, we got stuck at the airport, and our flight got delayed, and we had to oh sleep God. at the fucking airport and overnight with no hotels. We're sleeping. I they have a picture of me sleeping on a park bench. And they took a bunch of wine bottles and newspaper and <laughs> took a picture of me. And I was totally <laughs> asleep. I don't remember any of it. And uh, we slept on park benches. And then the airport opened the next morning, and we flew to where we had to fly. But oh
0: my god, this
1: was a, this was a show where uh, we were we were in a room, and uh, Jeff Tate's Queensryche was the room next to us. Now this was a big, this is a festival. You're playing, and there's like you're playing in big tents. But okay. all the, the, uh, the artist catering was in the center of this big, huge tent and they just had like office dividers, man, that were like eight feet high. And so all the bands were, so we we're hanging out with, uh, we were hanging out with Whitesnake with, uh, Doug Aldridge, who was Oh, awesome. cool. And he was awesome. His wife was an Exodus fan. He goes, ah, oh, she's a fucking metalhead. So we signed this thing for her. And nice. So we, we you know, we were hanging out. So Queensryche was the room next to us. And, uh. I have to say, man, they, they were not cool to us at all. So Really? Uh, yeah, so uh,
0: – I think I've heard that about Jeff they Tate. They
1: were just – they were dicks, man. They were dicks to us that day for whatever reason. This was the Jeff Tate era. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, Twist's Sister played. They were fucking terrible. They were just – they weren't very good that day. They wow. had a bad day. So we were making fun of them while we were on stage because they'd already left, so yeah. no consequences. So, <laughs> yeah. we, uh, but Queensryche had hadn't gone on yet, and we were on stage, and, and Lee started talking shit about how much dicks Queensryche were, <laughs> and made the crowd cheer like fucking crazy. <laughs> and then, uh, so while they were on, we had to actually leave as soon as we were done playing. We only got to see we got to see White Snake. So White Snake went on, and then Queensryche. So while we are watching White Snake. We took all of our food, all our catering, all our um, which was all just like like peanuts and M Ms and all sorts of other uh, miscellaneous candies and shit. Yeah. And we threw it over the wall into Queensrÿks fucking shit. And oh. throwing, <laughs> like, we threw the vegetable plate and we threw it all over there. So they came in off stage and all there was just shit all over there. Fuck. We had already left, so we didn't care. About
0: oh it. man.
1: Yeah, they were they were lame. So Jeez. that's. This, that, this whole tour was just one shit show after another, and, and uh, it lasted three weeks, man. It was the worst tour any of us ever did. It was just – if it could go wrong, it did, man. Shit was blown up. Fucking shows were – the shows were good. I was like the only upside of it is that the shows were great. It was all festivals. We played nothing but festivals. Oh, cool. Dude, I, we were in Spain. We flew to Spain, and we had these fucking badass hotels. I mean, this was the, one of the nicest hotels I've ever had. It was—I had my own room. Oh, nice. but I put my bag in there, right? And then I go as soon as I put my bag in the room, I wash my brush my teeth, I clean up a little bit, and then I had to go to the bus, the 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 van to go to play a gig, and then when I came back from the hotel, we as we were walking in the doors, as so Joey was like uh, our tour manager was like, "Hey man, uh, we got to leave. You have forty five minutes." Oh, I'm like, what? You have forty five minutes. Like, why'd you even get me a fucking room, motherfucker? <laughs> I remember flipping out. Look, the nicest fucking room I've ever had, ever on tour in a band, and you're—I can't even say. Uh, so, I got up, my turn, I took a shower, I messed the bed up, fucking rubbed one out, and then fucking <laughs> left, man. Fuck, I was so mad. I remember being just, <laughs> just a party little bitch for the rest of, for the rest of the fucking night. I was so mad. Fuck, man.
0: Oh man. King
1: size bed, fluffy as fuck. Oh man. Ah, Yeah, <laughs> touring, dude, and touring that- has touring has ups and downs, and and the, the the when you always look back on it, the downs are always comical. Dude, yeah, I was in, we were playing Slovenia, and everybody on the bus except Lee got this this flu, and it would just it wasn't a, it was a flu of it lasted about twenty four hours, and it was you couldn't. If you drank a bottle of water, thirty seconds later you were puking it out.
0: Oh, you couldn't, you
1: couldn't eat. You couldn't drink anything. You just sat there and shook and shivered and oh sweat. It was. It was the worst. Everyone got. Everyone got it except Lee. Everyone. I remember Jack had it. I hear Jack <laughs> puking outside the bus. And I, I got, I was getting up in the morning and I was, I was like, Jack, you all right? He's like, no, nah, dude, I don't feel good at all. Oh, he's climbing back in his bunk. He's like, oh, I feel like shit. I go, oh, that's terrible. Oh, man, feel better, buddy. And I go downstairs and I drink a glass of orange juice. And I went, oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> now I got it. And oh, I, pe- no, I was on stage. Dude, I was on stage. There was my mic stand, right? Right. And next to my mic stand is a is a garbage can. Because I was standing there and I was just. And puking into this can, oh dude it was fucking brutal.
0: Oh my god!
1: Everyone got it except Lee. I don't. Maybe Gary didn't get it either. But all the tour guys got it. The sound guy got it. All the all the there was three bands. I Man, it was us, Sepultura, and. Uh, Somebody else, Andreas, every uh, Sepultura, all got it. Oh, geez. they were sick as us, they were fucking puking. It was crazy. Well, this it was like tour is... well, it this was the same tours? Four hours, was this the same tour?
0: Same tour, or is that a different tour?
1: It was, oh, uh, there's a different tour. There's a okay. different tour, but just I was just saying that, like, you know, now that I look at the time, that was like a really rough yeah. <laughs> couple days, but you know what, man, like, you know, now that I look back on it, was, it was kind of funny, you know what I mean?
0: So, yeah, you know, some of the. Toughest stuff you go through gives you some of the best memories.
2: Yeah. So
0: oh right, yeah, so I've got a couple of questions for you.
2: Okay. Sure. All right.
0: So now as you explained, you know, you, you sang with Exodus and okay. then you, you formed Generation Kill in two thousand eight. Yeah. You started you you've done work with uh DMC, Daryl McDaniels.
1: Yeah, that was uh, how did
0: that uh, happen? That's I mean that sounds like a, a completely random collaboration.
1: Okay. So, um, so I lived in New York. Exodus was in San Francisco and, uh, I had uh, a couple friends, you know, that I, I mean, I grew up in, in, in New York. So I, I would, I sometimes I'd be at home from tour for like a month or two. Right. So, or like I'd be a month, it was generally about like four to five weeks and then you'd have to go out again. But so I decided that when I was home for those four or five weeks, uh, I had a couple, uh, friends at, at the time that I was like, Hey man, let's just get together in a rehearsal room and jam. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, we're like, okay. So basically we started out just doing uh black Sabbath songs. So we're just doing like black Sabbath and we did like motor breath by Metallica and we did a couple other oldies, but goodies. And we were just kind of like, just hanging out. It was just, you know, something to do other than just sit home, you know? What right. I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, it escalated into, uh, writing a couple songs and then, um, so, you know, the first record it was, we, we, uh, we wrote, uh, a couple songs and then I had to leave for tour. So while I was gone, the guys that, that I was jamming with, they kept working on stuff. You know what I mean? They would, okay. they would send me riffs and I'd be like, oh, this is a cool riff. Let's work on that. And, uh. send me like a, 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 an, uh, an email with a, an mp3 file and it would be like one riff and then what they would do is they'd send me just a, a, a bunch of different riffs and i would kind of like i would kind of like mix and match them together and go put this one with this one and see if that works out okay and then they would and sometimes they worked out and sometimes they didn't and i'd be like ah that doesn't work just try something try this one and then so while i was on the road we we're putting together these riffs so when i when i came back they had now we had a semblance of, of of a handful of songs. So I, I wrote lyrics for them. And then next thing you know, we're jamming those along with the covers and still, and we're just having fun and we're doing something cool. Yeah. So then we we decided to record them. So we recorded them um, with my buddy Johnny Rod in New York. And um recorded them. and the and like I said, the 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 first one, the red generation kill, the red, white, and blood, was basically just I was kind of like half involved. I mean, I, I was I couldn't be as involved. As I was when I when we did the second record, so the first one was basically kind of like a demo. It was kind of like okay, we just just to get ideas across and just kind of like and we played a couple. We played one show, I think we played we played like one one night with a with a couple other bands. I don't remember, do we? Yeah, so we played and we played like the originals we had and a couple Sabbath songs, and we left, you know, and Metallica. Uh, and an right. So um, it was just something to do, man. When I was home, that's all there that was you know um okay and uh so then uh uh, gary joined slayer so exodus started taking uh less doing less tours so now i had more time at home so basically i took a a larger interest in the in the generation kill only because i had more time so i could actually we could actually get into a room and cultivate uh what we were doing we cultivated this record and it was just a, a culmination of a riffs that they had all handed me. They had like all three, uh, uh, Jay Velez, Jay Trenzer. And at the time our bass player was Rob Shetty and he had handed me the, a bunch of, uh, riffs. And I put a bunch of riffs together and, uh, and made that record. Uh, basically, uh, I, I, I asked Zeus who was my friend and, uh, who, uh, did me a huge solid. We paid him. We all, we all came up with, uh, the money of how much it cost to, for him to produce our record, and okay. uh, so we paid for the studio time. So we all pitched in and came up with a, 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 a some money, and um, basically, uh, Zeus came to my friend Johnny Rod's studios in New York, and he sat with the drummer, and we did the, all the drum tracks. So over a year, it took about like six to months to a year to to lay out all the songs and get them all ready, and. There were like – so those guys didn't know what I was going to sing. Basically, when we were in a room together. I would just kind of like make up shit and blah, 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 and just kind of get melodies and stuff. Okay. And then I would go home and I would write to – I'd write lyrics to my melodies. you know. So um, basically <clears throat> this went on for a while. So they did the drums and then I had to go to South America for like two weeks. And while I was in South America, Zeus had met those guys in New York and did all the guitars and the bass. So now Zeus was, uh, home in Connecticut and he was, uh, he mixed the, got all the drums and they were sending me like, uh, like, like demos, like, you know, just like semblances, not finals, but you know,
0: right, right. Yeah.
1: So I started, I had, I had a bunch of lyrics. I had like scattered ideas and stuff like that. And then, um, and then I got home and, uh. I sat alone for uh, a couple weeks, and I wrote all the lyrics in a in a couple weeks, and uh, and then I went to Connecticut and stayed with Zeus and did the vocals over like a over like a ten day period. Okay. Um, so now we had a, a, an album, and it was it was done, and it was cool, and I'm very proud of it, man. We're all gonna die is a really to me it's it's a good album because it reflects. A little bit of everything that I love man, it's got some dirt rock in it, it's got metal, it's got rock, it's got punk it's got hardcore, it's got just a, a, everything that, the, all the music that I, that has accompanied my life and my existence on this planet kind of came off in this record and it just kind of like little bits and pieces and there's a little bit of the Doors in there and there's a little bit of, you know, Caius and there's like it's just it's just a big, you know shit show of everything <laughs> Basically, I, I ripped off everything I ever loved and I put it on my own I was very proud of it, and Zeus fucking loved it and got behind it with me, and um, so we didn't have a record deal. We had we had got out of a deal from the first record with uh, this French label that sucked. I forget I forget <laughs> where they, they were. Fucking horrible people. So I got out, I got out. I got a lawyer. Okay. and That lawyer contacted them, and we got out of the contract, and they were happy to get rid of us because they were scumbags. Um, and oh, then, man, so I started talking with Nuclear Blast. Uh, personally, and uh, me and Marcus and and Yop and we started talking, and they were reluctant to to take on the on the 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 project. They didn't they didn't mm. really think it was anything that they wanted to touch. And um, a couple other labels told us um, that they didn't want anything to do with it. Um, oh wow! I think one label told me the world doesn't need this.
0: Oh my god!
1: Yeah, that's what some fucking douchebag said to me. I forget what label it was. I wish I remember because I would definitely. Fucking call them out,
0: ah, oh, man.
1: Yeah, the world doesn't need this. And but, I wrote back, yeah. but then go fuck yourself, you fucking loser.
0: Yeah. Um. Um. Like it, like it leads all the uh, Ariana Grandes in the world.
1: Yeah, like yeah, like really, it's that bad. You, the fuck, you man. So, exactly. um, so me being really good, you know, Lee Altus is, is one of my closest friends. Uh, so, at Lee, um decides that heathen's going to go on tour and he loves the generation kill record. He, he actually really loved it. He, he said so he, he, he listened to it a lot and he, he was a, a big fan. And awesome. um, so he decided to take us on tour. We didn't have a record contract and we didn't have a, we didn't even have a record out. We didn't even have oh, anything. Wow. There was, nobody had heard. Of, they only heard the first, like the red, white and blood record, which is basically a demo. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's all they had. They had, So I I said, okay, we're going to go to Europe, boys. And and, uh, so we we got our shit together. We got enough money saved up and everyone was able to to fucking. We went to Europe for a month and uh, we played a bunch of shows. And and, then at the last two shows were in last three shows were in Germany. And uh, every the first two nights in Germany, I forget the name of the towns, but wherever we were, some people from nuclear blast were coming to watch the show. Um, and, uh, they were, uh, they were impressed enough that the owner and, and, uh, and the, and like the, the CEO guy showed up to the last show we were at and, uh, and brought a record contract.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. That's
1: awesome. So they basically, so all the money we had put up, um, they gave us enough money to, to everyone got their money back. So, you know, everyone got, uh, everything we had invested individually, we got all that back, and that's all I wanted. We didn't want to take more than we 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 needed. I just I just wanted to pay for the production and the studio time, and that's basically what happened. So it was nice to be able to come home from tour and hand everybody back a couple grand and you go, "Here, man, here's <laughs> <laughs> your money back." <laughs> it was cool, well, you yeah, because we didn't make any money on the tour, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we had a blast, man. We had fun, man. Touring with Lee was is always fun as shit. We shared a bus with those guys, and,
0: and that's uh, awesome.
1: And David White and Heathen are. are uh, all those guys were a lot of fun, and it was it was um, it was a special tour. And I'll never forget it. It was it was cool. And then um, I moved back to New York. I, I go back to uh, Exodus, and then I I was in um I was getting married, uh, and uh, I had a marriage. I had a wedding coming up, and uh, I was and I was going to relocate to to uh, Arizona, and I, I could be closer to San Francisco. Right. And uh, I was after Hurricane Sandy, um, I just kind of had enough of the winters and the and – the I, New York had just run its course with me and um, I needed a, I needed a change. Yeah. So I moved to Arizona. My wife is an identical twin and her twin sister had moved here a year previous and uh, they had never been apart before. So they were – she oh, was wow. alone for like a year. So I decided that uh, it would be nice thing to move her near her sister. So yeah. we did. We we moved near her sister and they could be together again. So that's kinda how that went. And, yeah, they, uh, so they be Arizona together. For a, you get together. So to but what fucking sucked is I moved to Arizona and Exodus fires me like after I finished the record, went to New York, got married, moved, relocated my whole life to Arizona where I don't know anyone. And then they fired me that, that the day I got here. Like two days after oh, I got here.
0: Jeez.
1: And uh I spent a year you know, just really bitter, really anger. Just, I was, I was just angry. And, and I, I, I really, it was really tough to hold it all together. It really was. It was a tough year. And, and you know, wow. deep down inside, I knew it was just business, but it, it affected, it affected everything, man. It affected my friendships with, with Lee and Gary and, and oh, Tom yeah. and Jack. And, um, and, uh, you know, it had a lot to do with, uh, business and, uh, and, and management and a lot of whispering in people's ears and saying this would be better. And this would be the look at the numbers are here. And now, nah. you know, after I'd spent 10 years bringing back a band that had it just basically not done anything for 13 years previous, then I come from the ground up playing Mercados and playing clubs to 10 people and fucking playing, uh, just shitholes and, and, uh, playing the creepy crawl in St. Louis and, and yeah. just, which is by far the worst club I've ever played in my life. Really, <laughs> and, oh, uh, and, I'm just going through all the, going through all that to be, you know, to hand it back to, to Zetro. I was bitter and angry and I was, uh, I spent the next year just kind of just trying to pick myself up from that. So I, I got a, a re, you know, um, I'd always had a job even in Exodus, but I, it was always a part-time job. So now mm-hmm. I had a full-time job and, um, so, uh, you know, Generation Killed started, we started working on new stuff. And, and uh, at my very last Exodus show, the very last show was at the Rock on the Range in Ohio. And it was the day that the, the Rangers pushed the Pittsburgh Penguins out of the playoffs.
0: Oh, and, nice. uh,
1: so, th- this is, so this is around June. So during the show, uh, Daryl uh, McDaniels, uh, DMC, was playing with uh, Pop Evil. He had done some track with them and and uh so anyway, I walking through catering, I run into Daryl and I said, Hey man, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I'm from uh, Astoria and you're from Hollis. And when I was a kid, I had your mixtape I had your tape. I had a cassette. Yeah. I said, hey, all right, man, that's awesome, man. Uh, take a picture. <laughs> Queens boy, all right, man. So he goes, Dude, let's let's uh let's meet up later. Where are you going now? I go, I'm gonna go watch the Ranger game on my bus. And then I'm going to come back to catering and eat. He goes, "Oh, dude, we'll come out. There's a, there's a thing later we'll, we'll see at the after party. And I was like, OK. I never made it to the after party. I just stayed and watched hockey and then went to bed.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> anyway, didn't think nothing of it. At the next morning, I'm sitting at the airport and uh, walking toward me as fucking Daryl by, by himself.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Walking toward me, sits down next to me. Yo, man, where were you last night? And I was like, ah, oh, I watched the Raiders, fucking beat Pittsburgh. And then I, I kind of just got sidetracked and went went to bed. Ah, oh, that's cool. We start talking, and where are you going? I go, I live in New York. Oh, me too. And and then he goes, uh, I go, I got you know, I got a band in New York, man. This cool band. I said, Generation Kill. He goes, Oh, that's cool. And I go, on my family. I have a CD. So I had my backpack, and I gave him a a CD. And then uh, he went on to his flight, and I went on to mine, and, and uh, I didn't speak to him again. So. Uh, the day that, that Exodus uh, fired me, they fired me at 9 a.m., right? Right. Daryl got my number through – I forget how he got my number. Maybe he hit me up through Twitter on, in, in a private message or Instagram or whatever it was. Somehow he got my number. So he actually calls me at 10 a.m. Now I'm reeling from the, from the Exodus thing.
0: Right, right, yeah.
1: He's like, hey, man, I want to do a song. Or maybe he called me at nine and they called me at ten. I forget. Anyway, so I was like, "Oh yeah, Daryl called me first. He called me and and then Exodus called me an hour later." Uh, I was like, "Oh, that's fucking cool, man." Yeah, I said, "You know what? We'll I'll talk to my band and we'll start working on something and we'll we'll do a song." And, and the song ended up being uh, lot lizard. So if you do to you go on YouTube and go Fragile Mortals Lot Lizard, you'll hear the song. That was the song that we did.
2: She's a truck stop slut She avoids getting busted But she busts a lot of nuts She got crazy skills And she's bringing in big bills But the way she is living It is gonna get a kill She had a run in with some psycho trick He tried to slit it through She cut off his Did you hear what happened in the lot last night When it all goes
1: wrong It was about a truck stop hooker And I had come across a truck stop hooker moving from New York to Arizona. I had never experienced it before. All the years of truck stops and (laughs) touring and all that, I had never noticed what a lot lizard was until this one (laughs) night. Me and my my wife were in the truck, and this lady come and she goes, Hey, honey. And then she looked over and saw my wife and went, Never mind. And then fucking walked (laughs) away. And then we we watched her walk to another truck. Because we were just getting gas. And then right. and then I go, oh, that's a, that's a lot lizard. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never seen one before. You know what I mean? So I remember taking my phone out in the memos, truck stop hooker, lot lizard, lyrics. You know what I mean? And I just put it in my phone. So uh, when Daryl called me, I was like, oh, yeah, I got an idea about this truck stop hooker. So I, uh, I, uh, that was all it was. I just told him truck stop hooker. That's all I said. Yeah. I didn't say anything. I didn't show him any of my words. Or my lyrics. And then I flew to New York. I I talked to my guitar player. My two guitar players came up with the music, right? Okay. They sent me the riffs. I said, These two riffs will work together. Perfect. Let's do that. I wrote my lyrics. And then I wrote Daryl, I said, Here's the music. Your lyrics start at like the 115 mark and they go to 140 and then like 210 to 240. And like just kind of did that. And I go, you write what you're going to write, and I'll write what I'm going to write, and I'll see you in New York. And I go to New York, and I meet him in the studio. Uh, the music is done, so uh, everybody's there, and we're recording the song. We did the drums, and we're recording the song from scratch. And I go in, and I do my part, and Daryl did his. And we had never heard each other's call and answer to the way this was going to lay out. Oh, wow. It was a little bit of magic, man. It was kind of cool. That's you know? awesome. And it wasn't. It was kind of metal and it was kinda of blues. I don't know if it was metal, but it was definitely rock and it was just a really a rock song. And it was just kinda of weird and trippy. And then we got uh Bumblefoot, this virtuoso guitar oh, player. Yeah,
0: I love Bumblefoot. to play on
1: it. So he plays on it and um and then that was it, man. So we, wow. we did a bunch of songs with him and uh and it's sitting on a shelf right now, not doing yeah. do anything.
0: <laughs> oh man. Well I've Believe me, I'll be throwing it on here a little bit, then uh, get a few more people listening to it at least.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway,
0: so what are you doing now? What do you, you? I know you. you uh, had Scott Reader from Caius in and uh, playing some bass on some stuff for you. What, well, what's Stun's that all about?
1: Doing, yeah, he did a bunch of. Uh, I did a bunch of. Uh, I'm making like a solo record. So okay, I'm making. I'm making music. So Generation Kills working on a record. We've been working on it a while. We don't live near each other, so it's been a little more difficult. So we're we're, uh, we're just taking our time with it. And we're, when it's done, it's going to be awesome. Um, we are. Uh, I, I live in Arizona. I built a studio in my in my house. Oh, nice. Um, and I, I'm able to record at home, so people send me riffs, and I can do all my all my vocals stuff here by myself, and I don't need anyone um, to uh, do that. And then, um, so I'm working on a solo record, which is just. Me and like I worked with different guitar players. I worked with John Corsiari in New York. I worked with uh, uh, this guy Chuck in, in Tampa. I got like just a bunch of different people to um, play uh, and, and work on songs with. And then uh, my friend Craig Safola is a drummer and like, a, you know, he's just kind of a, he's been my friend for a long time. He's, he uh, we, we've been in bands before together and stuff and just always made music and always made stuff together. He did a, I'd like a TV show together at one point and, um, and cable access. And oh, cool. anyway, we, um, been friends for, you know, 25 plus years. And, uh, so we're making a record of all these weird cover songs. We did a, we did uh jungle love by the time. And we got Tom hunting, the drummer from excess to sing it.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So basically it's a mixture of, of weird songs that you wouldn't cover. And, and and uh just weird songs we decided to just all right we're going to make this heavy and do this so that's kind of what we did that's and the I'm kind of stuff i love yeah and then i'm making a a a, so- a bunch of songs uh that my parents love i'm doing we're doing a bunch of songs for our parents like
0: oh, we're awesome. covering
1: like their favorite bands like we're picking the songs but we're doing like so my dad's a huge tom petty fan so i did uh, refugee by tom petty Oh, I it a awesome. So we're just doing like I did I did, a, I did a, a simple man for my mom. Oh, you know, just, Yeah, so we're just doing stuff that that our that our parents like in our parents era. And I'm going to do a, a song for my uncle. I'm going to try to take one of his songs um and make it uh a metal song and I just did a lot of cool little stuff that I'm trying to do and well, just before
0: breakfast songs.
1: Yeah, like uh, just, we'll just yeah, one of them, yeah. Nice. So um doing that and then um uh, you know I restore uh vintage uh, air cooled Volkswagens at a place in Arizona. Oh nice called Doug's Bugs and um and that's what I do. I'm restoring uh like I do like buses and bugs and all the air cooled stuff. Actually if you see that's my Corvette, I'm doing a Corvette for myself. Oh nice. So um but that's, that's my project, my, you know, my personal project. And uh so I work on cars a lot, um,
0: and you work on music.
1: I work on music, and I read a lot, and I uh, I smoke the occasional cigar, and I uh, <laughs> drink lots of coffee. Hey, and, uh, I have two uh, I have two Persian cats that uh, that I have. I have uh, this one right here. This is uh, this is Muppet. Sitting in the sun watching oh. that one out the window. <laughs> I'm up it.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Um, there's a little token right there, the little little black one in the corner. <laughs> yeah. so, I rode yesterday. I rode my motorcycle, too. I got up at like 5 a.m., and I jumped on my bike, and I rode to the Grand Canyon. And How long I, of a
0: ride is that?
1: Um, it took me uh, three hours. Oh, wow. So I rode, I rode to the South Rim... Took a couple of pictures, turned around, and drove home. Uh, had lunch <laughs> in Flagstaff. Uh, had lunch and a cup of coffee. And then um, came back. And then me and my brother-in-law went to a cigar bar and had a had a uh, cigar. He he was just in New York, and and someone had given him. He got some cigars. <clears throat> we came back, so we went last night and uh, late night to a cigar bar around the corner from my house and smoked a cigar and talked to... Uh, Talked hockey and the wedding he went to and all sorts of shit and that was it, man. Just fucking making music, making and doing music,
0: shit. restoring cars, watching hockey,
1: living my life, man. That's, that's what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I was, you know, I was sad to see the uh, the Caps not do anything this year, but uh, I'll take the the one Stanley Cup we've been able to to, to win. So.
1: Yeah, I'm a New York Rangers fan, so basically, I used to not give a shit about Washington because you were never able to beat us. But now I don't like you anymore. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That's the uh, a lot of hockey. people exactly, exactly. You gotta have rivalries, man. Otherwise, it's, what's the point?
1: Dude, one night I was uh, I was on tour and I I would wear a Sean Avery New York Rangers jersey and uh, I was going through Canada during the playoffs and people were spitting on me.
0: Oh, like,
1: hockey fans! They were. I mean, in, a, in not in a just. Not in a shitty way, but, like, just giving me the finger and just, like, like cursing at me and fucking – and just going back and forth. And I'd be like, yeah, well, at least my team's in the fucking playoffs, you fucking losers. And it just – it was just fucking – it was awesome, man. And one night we were playing uh, in Philly and uh, Lee is a huge Flyers fan. So he was wearing a Flyers jersey and I was wearing a Rangers jersey. And I was just getting booed and (laughs) – you know. But, like, in the best of ways, man, it was like – it was just such a fun – experience and then after the show i walked through the crowd with my rangers jersey on and people were just like fuck like (laughs) i remember i remember reading a fucking article someone had sent me this article and it was a uh it was a a, from from like a toronto newspaper and it was a review of the show they're like exodus is a great fucking band and like the singer had the fucking audacity to be wearing a fucking rangers jersey in (laughs) toronto and he goes not even just a rangers jersey a fucking Sean Avery jersey. And I was like, God, how much of a dick could you be? And I was like, I just, I remember loving that article. And I actually sent it to Sean and he read it and he was like, Ah, oh, it's funny. That's right
0: awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, I really appreciate these stories, man. I, this is, that's what this show is all about. Just getting some great stories about recording and touring and and these are some of the best I've heard. So uh, I, I really, oh, do, I really appreciate your time spending, you know, yeah, you know, good chunk of your early morning with me, man. I I really appreciate that.
1: Right on, man. Yeah.
0: And if uh is, is there uh social media accounts for you or any any of the projects that you're working on that that where people can follow you and
1: Just uh Generation Kill, there's a couple different um uh Instagram sites, there's a, you know, a couple Twitter's and a Facebook and all that shit. I don't really have much to do with of that that's somebody else's deal and lately it, I've been like in a I've been actually contemplating going back to a fucking flip phone. Uh, no. <laughs> for <laughs> I really have, man. I've been, I've been, I'm so close to it. You know,
0: I know the so, feeling, man.
1: man. if you want to see some of the the cool cars I build, you can go to Doug's. Uh, it's B and b dot com, and it's uh, it's uh, a you know, or look up just Doug's Bugs and Bunnies. Okay. And uh, ba- basically, it's just cool car stuff that that, I, that I'm a part of.
2: That's um,
0: awesome. I'm a big I'm so, a big fan of cars. He used to restore them with my dad when we were, when I was growing up, and my son is an enormous Volkswagen fan. So it's oh yeah, we'll man. Both be so awesome. yeah,
1: we have a full so we have a full retail store, a full custom shop. We repair and build nice. anything uh, Volkswagen related, man. Sandrails, dune oh, nice. buggies, all that shit, man. So we do all that. Yeah,
0: that is so, awesome. Yeah, well, I'll definitely be checking that out. I'll be pointing well, my son to it too. So cool. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I really do appreciate you spending so much time with me today, man.
1: We, okay. Thanks, man. I appreciate, the, I appreciate the connection, man. It was nice talking to you, Pyle.